You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. What we've been doing in Global Sunday School is going through what we call the missions grid, talking about our values. Um, and again, just to reiterate, these are good for everybody at New Life to know our values are number one, to introduce everybody at New Life Church to a missions experience, whatever that means to you. If this is that to you, then uh, we've succeeded to some extent. If you're praying for the nations, if you're more aware of what God's doing around the world, to some extent we've succeeded in that. It's events like the Seder, Sunday schools, everything that's missions related. Then we have five expressive values, how we do missions around the world. Going to the Jew first, we've covered that value in a prior teaching, and if you want to know more, you can get the teaching on CD. Then we look at widows and orphans, church planting and leadership training, it's the sanctity of human life, and then what we're dealing with today and last week is strategic initiatives among the unreached and unengaged. And we've kind of taken an approach with this where we're not just looking at the unreached, unengaged, but we're looking at the global picture of the church and saying why certain regions in the world are critical for us to look at. Because we, we don't just deal with the anthropological view of missions anymore where we can isolate one region of the world and think that region of the world has no impact on any other region. Because of the geopolitical and global nature of the world we live in, every nation has an impact on the other. Okay? Uh, this week alone, Friday, we took Glenn Packiam to the airport and they overcharged us for luggage. And so I called United Airlines to try and take my frustrations out on somebody, and I ended up with Rashad in India. Okay, so it's, it's just that kind of stuff. Nothing we do anymore has only an impact on our society. And so when we want to look at the unreached, unengaged, we also have to look at the other nations of the world. Um, but before we get started, let's just look at a couple of announcements. Um, so, Turkey mission strip. Bob, where are you? There, you see that big guy back there, Bob Bim? Bob is taking some guys, it's a guys-only trip to Turkey. So if you're interested to go with Bob and a few guys to Turkey and work with the underground Iranian church, who, these guys are coming out of Iran to get trained in Turkey because we can't go into Iran. But they can come out of Iran into Turkey, we can get into Turkey, and so we're going to engage with them in Turkey. And then we're also going to work with some unreached peoples in Turkey, in Antioch, where the first church was planted. And it's a fascinating journey to see what God's doing in Turkey today, where the church basically started, okay? Then second thing is the Seder dinner. If you have not been to a Seder dinner, and even if you have, I would highly encourage you to talk to Melissa. Melissa, okay, everybody has no, they're lady in the pink in the back. She runs Global Ministries. Find her, buy a Seder ticket. If you can't afford a ticket, but you really want to go, go see her as well. I don't mind comping people who wants to be a part of it, who can't afford it. Don't not participate in anything at New Life Church just because you can't afford it. Come talk to us and we'll make a way, okay? And then um, internships. If you're interested in going long-term or serving uh, on an internship in Global Ministries, come talk to me and and uh, we'll love to have some of you guys intern with us in volunteerism. You can talk to Melissa, okay? So, in starting this morning, before we continue, I wanted to um, capitalize on some of the discussion last week. Um, and also, just one more announcement. I ended last week with Europe, talking about Europe, and I said we didn't have enough time. There's an article called The Rape of Europe, written by a secular um, uh, journalist, but it really paints the picture of the heart and the state of Europe. If you want that article, I don't know if they're on the tables, or Melissa, they might be in the back if they're not on your table, but um, if you want a copy of that article, we printed it out and you can read it. Um, not now, but at another time, okay? But in reflection, you'll see on your table, there's a, fo there's a form that I want everybody to participate in. Now, at the very bottom, you put down your name and contact information. If you don't want to do that, that's fine, okay? But at least participate 
um, in this little five or ten minute segment where we have some discussion and talk about um, some of the things we touched on last week. And the questions on that form is, will I go? And, and I think, you know, it's, it's not a simple question, yes, no, but it is really what I hope God talked to you about in this last week of saying, you know, condition of my heart, do I have a willingness to go? It's not saying, can I go? Uh, can I afford to go? Can I get off from work to go? You know, it's not all the excuses. It is the condition of my heart. God, you know, honestly, um, will I go? Or is it just, I know a lot of my friends that just say, I won't go. I mean, I just will not go. You know, and, and, it's, and it's always a nice point of discussion between us. But, you know, um, this is just a condition of your heart question, an honest question. And it's okay to say no, or maybe. If you're not 100% sure, maybe, okay? But then why should I go, okay? Um, really from, remember I said, if your, if your motivation to go is not more compelling than your motivation to stay, you'll never go. You have to find within yourself, and, and you'll see, well, what I battled with this week in preparing was, do I take a theological approach or do I take just a humanistic approach? And uh, even though we're in a, in a Christian setting, I want to take a little more of a humanistic approach because sometimes I wonder if our theology is compelling enough to sway our human behavior. I honestly don't always think our theology, we believe our theology strong enough to assuade us. And so I, I would hope that in your Christian journey, your theology does become overpowering in controlling your behavior. But I know how fallible human nature is. And so just to depend on good mind knowledge of theology and saying, hey, why should I go theologically? My question is, is that in your heart? And so this is again, why should I go from the heart, from the gut, not from your theology? And then can I go? Is it physically able for you to go? That's not on your list, I don't think. And where do I want to go if you want to go? When do I want to go? And why do I want to go there? Okay, so let's take... 10 minutes tops, and have a little bit of discussion around our tables. And, and so you'll see there's another section at the bottom about hunger. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But I would love for you to discuss around your table some of this, and then let's just take 10 minutes and then reflect at the end, okay? Okay, I'm going to have Swin come up here, and let's just... Get a sampling, just like maybe three, three people who are willing to engage and participate and share what um, any of these questions have either revealed, reflected, or brought out in you. Whether it's been something that's been there, or maybe in this last week, for somebody, God has really just changed your heart, mind, or, or even if you have a question, fire it right back at me and let's see, let's have some discussion. Do we have any brave souls in the house? Here we go. Man, I love this lady. She's always... I just want to uh, say that I have been coming here to uh, the, the, the Global Missions class, been committed to coming since January, and the more I hear... The more I'm in this class, the more... I've always wanted to do missions. I've always... I was saved in Japan underneath a missionary. But, but if, you, if you have a little inkling of desire to go, I just say, you know, it's God put that desire in your heart. And just, just go with it and trust God. I've seen God do so many neat, neat things in my life. Just, just taking that first step. Just take the step to go and he will he will provide the way he'll in in the desire is getting i'm seeing the world now before i just saw just you know i would see one country and want to go there but now i mean i just thank god for 
Rianne, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing your name right, but I just love his heart. He has got, he has got a mission's heart, like no man, no person on this earth I've ever seen. And I just, I do thank God for you. I thank you for thank your you. pastor's heart and, and your passion, because that's what's stirring a deeper passion in my heart for Amen. the nations. I, I was t- talking to these people at this table. I said, I've never, you know, I never even thought about Afghanistan ever. You know, I want to go, I want to go somewhere nice. I want to go somewhere, you know, that's a little bit, you know, but, but I have actually, I have actually, I'm a, I'm a nurse practitioner and I have actually seen a woman that was subject to the stuff that men put their women through from there. And it, it will break your heart if you ever see something like that. Yeah. And, and just, just let God work in your heart and, and don't be afraid. Great. Thank you. Anybody else? There's a young lady in the back. Okay. Well, um, when I was in high school, I, uh, I dedicated my life to missions. And... Uh, I forgot about that for a few years, but more and more I'm being called back to that. And uh, I have a heart for Europe and especially England. Um, I was born there, so. Um, but more and more I'm just feeling that, you know, I'm not always going to be here. You know, I'm going to be somewhere else for some sort of time period. And um, so, yeah, it's interesting to see you know, how things turn and, you know, with just what I'm studying in school, how that can, you know, open up roads really anywhere because I'm studying to be a car mechanic. So, I mean, every country has cars. I could literally go to any country and fix a car. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just think it's really interesting how God has given me a passion for cars and then giving me a passion for missions and those can go together so easily so uh, I just think that's pretty pretty interesting it is it's it's awesome to see how God works in us and and how he connects the dots for us to to gift us empower us to go do what Christ has come to redeem on earth do you know that 76 percent of Americans do not own a passport Three quarters of the United States do not possess a passport. Okay, we, we live in a global society, the ability to travel globally and do things, but three quarters of the American population do not own a passport. And I thought that was fascinating. And, and as I prepared this week, trying to have a little bit of discussion and discourse this morning, um, I just told Matthew in the back there, you know, the difficult thing for me and for guys like Matthew and for people with a mission's heart is I struggle because I don't want to come into this environment and make this time be the time when you get stirred up and passionate and you go out and you kind of lose that fire and you come back and we've got to put some more you know, pictures up and stories and things to rekindle the fire. At some point in your life, um, it's got to be in you. The passion has to be in you. You have to exude the passion that, that ignites others. You cannot allow a passion to see the gospel of Christ taken to the ends of the earth continuously be a passion that has to be awakened and rekindled by pastors and leaders and people who are passionate about it. Nobody, and I know I'm kind of a unique, weird individual, but nobody needs to kindle the passion for missions in me. I eat it, dream it, sleep it, drive it. When I, like I say, when I look at these flags, I don't just see random flags. I mean, I, when I look at Brazil, I think of friends I have in Brazil. When I, when I look at Lebanon, I think of people in Lebanon. I think of the food in Lebanon. I, I smell the smell of the streets. I, when I think of India, I, I remember seeing people in the Ganges River. I, I remember the atrocities, the slums. The images are in me. The images are not on the World Wide Web. They're inside of me. They're a part of me. And missions must be a part of you before it will ever compel you to engage. And the only way those things, those images, those stories, 
the cries, the poverty, the only way that is ever going to get inside of you is if you go. Otherwise, it will always remain, remain viral. And, and one of the things I say about the, the strength, but also the danger of a viral society that we live in, a Facebook society. Facebook is great, but here's the deal. Jesus can't be your Facebook friend. And what I'm afraid of in our society is that our Christianity has become viral. Our Christianity has become so distant and so disengaged that we're willing to engage with Jesus and His agenda and the world virally, but not personally. And that is something you and I, each one of us, will have to face in our generation because it's just going to get more and more viral. I can provide the solutions for the world and I can get a heart for the world just staying in my cubicle, safe and cozy and warm, and not touch and engage. And I'm telling you, that is not the heart of Christ. He said, go. He didn't say tweet. Okay? Um, so, but in light of that, let, let's look at a couple of issues around the world. And again, this is my challenge. Yes, we can take a theological approach, but let's look at, and now I'm going to do what I just said I don't want to do. I'm going to kind of hopefully stir something in you, a crevice here and there that helps you see the plight of the world. And so let's look at orphans just quickly. First of all, it is estimated that between 143 million and 210 million children are orphans globally. The U.S. population is approximately 320 million. Two-thirds of the U.S. population equivalent around the world are orphaned. It's more than Russia's population. Every 15 seconds, one AIDS orphan in Africa. Every day, 5,760 more children become orphans. Every year, 2 million more children become orphans in Africa alone. Um, 143 million orphans in the world today spend an average of 10 years in an orphanage or a foster home. Here's the challenge with that. I'm just running through this because I want to give you a picture of orphans and then of hunger. Approximately a quarter of a, billion, uh, of a million children are adopted annually, but every year 14 million children grow up as orphans and age out of the system. And here's the ch- challenge with aging out. Okay, so every day about 40,000 children age out every 2.2 seconds. Another child ages out with no family to belong to and no place to call home. Because the orphan reality around the world is this. You can be in an orphanage in Russia, Africa, India, wherever you are, for the most part till you're 16. And after that, you're on your own. You've never known family. You've never known home. You've, you've been taken care of until you're 16 and now you're on your own. And the result is in the Ukraine and Russia, 10 to 15% of children who age out of an orphanage commit suicide before they're 18. 60% of the girls are lured into prostitution. 70% of boys become hardened criminals. The orphan crisis is the number one contributor to the sanctity of human life issues. Things like genocide, human trafficking, slavery, child soldiers. Orphans are the number one target for the issues concerning sanctity of human life. And so for New Life Church, for us, this is the biggest thing that we want to engage in. Two things, leadership training and church planting and the plight of widows and orphans. And listen to me, New Life, we have within us more than enough resource passion and when i talk about resources don't always hear money when we use the word resources it doesn't mean money god has all the money in the that we need to accomplish anything resources sometimes become willingness of individuals you are the resources that we refer to that i refer to your willingness to go your skills her sharing that she's Becoming a mechanic, that's a resource right there. 
your ability to go surf around the world and just put yourself and place yourself in proximity with those who need to hear the gospel, that is the resource. Okay? But so let's look at world hunger, and here's a quiz. And so what we're going to do on this quiz is, um, I want everybody to fill this out, and then I'll give the answers. Um, But we'll fill it out, collect it, and then I'll give the answers. How's that? And then what we're going to do is, those of you who put your name down and you have it right, we'll put all the correct answers in a little drawing, and next week we'll hand out, or we'll call you, and we'll give you a $50 gift card for who's the lucky winner, okay? But the questions are, hunger has three meanings according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Which of these meanings is most closely related to world hunger? Number one, the uneasy or painful sensation caused by want of food. The want or scarcity of food in a country, a strong desire or craving. And then number two, estimates of, estimates of the number of hungry people in the world refer to Protein energy malnutrition, micronutrient malnutrition, both protein energy and micronutrient malnutrition. Okay, you have one minute. Go, pick your answers and pick a team leader at the table that will collect it. And then maybe Melissa and Lydia, you guys can collect it if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Okay, if one person from each table would just take your table's papers to Melissa and Lydia, the lady in the blue and the lady in the pink, I would appreciate it. Okay, let's be done. What's that? You need to choose one answer in each question. There's question one and question two. One answer in each. Okay, Okay. so here are the answers. Here are the answers to number one. Hunger has three meanings according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Which meaning is most clearly related to world hunger? The uneasy or painful sensation caused by want of food. How many people said that? Okay, it's not correct. Otherwise, my wife will be in hunger all the time. Because... We have a painful sensation of hunger in our house always. It's not. It is, number B, the want or scarcity of food in a country. Okay, estimates of the number of hungry people in the world refer to protein energy malnutrition. That's the correct answer, number A. Okay, so if you got those two correct, you will be entered into our little drawing and potentially win a $50 gift card to a restaurant. How appropriate. Talking about world hunger, maybe you'll go to Olive Garden, okay? Okay, but let's look at world hunger quickly. Um, 900, almost a billion people go hu- are hungry globally. A billion people. That is one out of 13.1%, one in seven billion people are hungry globally. Children are the most visible victims of undernutrition, Children who are poorly nourished suffer up to 160 days of illness every year. Five months of illness every year. 
Poor nutrition plays a role in at least half of the 11 million children deaths each year. Undernutrition magnifies the effect of every disease, including measles and malaria. They estimate the proportions of deaths in which undernutrition is an underlying cause are roughly similar for diarrhea. 61% malaria, 57% pneumonia, 52% and measles, 45%. We live in a world, people, that is so ravaged by hunger, by poverty, by disconnectedness and illness. And yet Jesus came to address each one of these things. You have within you, do you know this? You have within you. If you know Jesus Christ, you have the faith, the ability, the belief to face a sick and a hungry person and sometimes only pray for them and watch God heal them. To put yourself in proximity and say, just being aware is not enough. I need to do something. But within you, you possess the ability to change the world. Miles Monroe, a leadership coach, said this and a pastor. He said, the wealthiest place on earth is the graveyard. He says, because there lies buried all the potential that was never realized. All the dreams that never got fulfilled. In our context, all the mission trips that never got taken. All the children that could have been adopted but never got adopted by some person in their lifetime who didn't adopt. Every cure who never got discovered because they were too afraid to challenge the medical industry. And my plea to you is don't let the line between the date you were born and the date you depart this planet, let that line be an underlying line, underscoring. You see, your name is here. And let the line highlight your name and say, this person made a difference around the world. And is that line between the date you were born and the date you depart going to be a line that basically goes through your name, eliminating it off the spectrum of influence and change of society? Man, let your life make a difference. And so here we go. Pictures from around the world. Hopefully, this will too give you a little bit of perspective. And so we go viral and my hope is that you'll go physical. Pictures of hunger. Now, Matthew, Ayers, and I, we, we have, we watched a film last week called Project 58 or Live 58. And um, our desire would be to, to showcase that picture, that film, in a setting like this. And I would love for all of you to participate. Um, but we need to know how many we want to participate. And what it is, is it's an in-length understanding of what. Poverty in the world looks like. There's one gentleman in, the, in, this, in this documentary who owes $600 to a landlord in India. And, and in questioning him, saying, when will you have your debt paid off? He said, never. I will not ever pay this debt off in my lifetime. And he is chopping up rocks in a quarry for the rest of his life. And he says, as a matter of fact, my children will inherit my debt. And so for the next two, three generations, there is no hope and no future because we can't afford $600 for three generations. And people, if we don't understand the plight and the cry of the world, we'll never respond. And here's the deal. Listen, we can have every slide, and I'm going to go now into the Middle East, and we're going to look at India. We're going to look at other regions of the world. All that means nothing if you're not compelled to go and to change and to make a difference in our world. And, and the reason this context, this group of people, is so critical in this discussion, because number one, 
the global missions class that participates with the mill today, that group of people have proven themselves passionate about these things. And so talking to you guys, Dr. Larry O'Connell, welcome back from Afghanistan. Just got back Thursday night or Friday night. Guys like Larry, they, this is what they live for. Medical doctor, yes, he has a job that works more hours than any of us does in this room. And yet he makes time to go to Afghanistan and change that reality. The other group of people here, Mill Sunday School, our generation, if you look throughout history, that is the generation that changes stuff. And if we fail in this room, we have no chance of succeeding in the living room. If it doesn't happen here, it's not going to happen in the church as a whole. And so, yes, maybe I'm a little harsh this morning, but I'm not just harsh. I'm, I'm passionate. This is it, man. You can't read the Bible and get past any of this stuff. You can't. And so if the plight of the world, if the plight of humanity doesn't compel you, doesn't move you from concern to compassion, something is wrong. We have to move from concern to compassion to action. Okay? So that's my little, my little horse that I'm riding this morning. So China, let's look at China quickly. Shifting gears hard. Okay, any questions, any comments? Nobody, at least everybody's, I mean, everybody's listening and looking. But any questions? Okay, let's look at China. Okay, so China, this is the population, the, the Christian growth rate in China. 1950, we only knew of about a million Christians. By 2011, over 140 million Christians in China. Okay? And this is why China is strategic for us. 1.4 billion people on earth. That's about 25% of global population. 22 to 25%. Okay? China needs to be Christianized. It, it is the world's next superpower. China will become a superpower, according to the UN, in every way by 2050. That means military, economics, in every way. To 2020, it will be equal to the USA in military strength, I would argue, it's probably already. Okay? 2050, it will be economically equal to the United States. Again, argument, probably already. Political power follows economic power. Superpower China must be Christianized. Currently, estimates are China's between 9 and 14% Christian, depending on who you talk to. Um, the Chinese church will be one of the largest mission-sending machines in the world. Okay, so here's, here is the way strategists analyze the, the swing of a nation. It takes a 30% representation of a religion in a nation to swing that nation in favor of that religion. Does that make sense? So if, if we get China, not, and, and so when I say we, as though it's our responsibility, I speak that way intentionally, because unless we take personal responsibility, we'll always defer responsibility to someone else. Here's the challenge when we say, hey, should we do this? When we use the word we, we subconsciously defer responsibility. To someone else. And so we have to have an I mentality. Okay? I must be a part of the solution in China. Okay? Uh, China has committed, for many of you know already, 100,000 missionaries to the Back to Jerusalem movement, saying that they will evangelize the Muslim world from China to Jerusalem. And they're doing it. And here's what I love about China. China is not necessarily... How do I say it? The most experienced mission-sending nation in the world. Because of their isolation, there are many flaws in their sending model. But they don't wait for the correct sending model before they respond. Okay? They're like, okay, we, we this, we'll just figure it out as we go. And that's admirable. You see, for many of us, we want to figure it all out before we go. And so we never go. Because we never figure it out. Okay, Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Psalm 72, all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. 
China will be Christianized. The whole earth will be filled with the glory, with his glory. If we look at the top 10 Christian countries in the world, 1900, China wasn't even on the list. By 2005, it was the third largest Christian nation. By 2050, China will only be second to the USA. And there's a number of factors that determine this. Percentage, not just sheer mass, but percentage, resource allocation, missionaries being sent. There are a number of factors to determine the top 10 Christian countries in the world. Okay? Islamic core. Okay, so because we only have 10 minutes, that's why I'm flying through this, okay? But if you have a question, please raise your hand and we'll stop and we'll dialogue. I'll rather dialogue than run through statistics and numbers, okay? The Islamic core, Habakkuk 1.5 says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you will not believe even if you were told. And what I love about this scripture is it's so true. No matter who gets up here, I can have Larry get up here fresh from Afghanistan, hot off the press, sharing some amazing stories. And some of you will hear it, but you won't believe it, even if you were told. And the difference between you and Larry will be, Larry that's Larry's story. He was there. He believes it. God made it through him. It's part of his DNA. Ten years from now, Larry will still be telling stories about Afghanistan. Ten years from now, you won't even remember the story he told. Unless you go, you'll never have a story to tell. Only 12% of Muslims globally know a Christian. We're not talking about conversion here. We're talking about Muslims around the world who have interaction with someone who's a believer. 88% of Muslims don't know a Christian. Do you think they would respond if they knew a Christian? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so when we look at the Islamic core, yes, question. Yes, sir. Well, I don't know. I mean, eschatology, I never, you know, for me personally, now, I mean, I'm not, I'm honestly not a, scholar when it comes to attributing which nation to which end time prophecy you know i'm i'm just going to tell you i'm not that guy there are many guys like that um all i know is we can tell in our generation the move of china she's strong she's powerful she's growing and she's moving like nobody's business and either you're going to run into china and confront her and with the love of Jesus, or China is going to run over your world and you're not even going to know what happened. Um, everybody in this room right now is wearing something from China. <laughs> China's already affecting your world. Okay? So, when you, when you read that tag, Made in China, just pray for China. It's that easy. Made in China. God, I pray for whoever made this garment that you will invade their space God, that you'll come into that reality, that factory, that whatever it is. I don't know their situation, whether this was child labor, whether this was slavery, whether this was a legitimate thing. But God, I pray that you'll invade China and this person's reality. You know what's so crazy? We get this in hyper-charismatic circles. You'll see this on TV. Hey, send in your sick person's you know, left foot sock or whatever and we'll pray over them. And we believe that. Like, hey, let's send our sock and they'll pray over it and this person will get healed. Somebody touched this shirt I'm wearing. And if, you, if that is your theology, believe pray for that person, man. God, whoever touched this, made this, I pray that you'll invade their space. And it's a connecting point. Anyway, there you go. That's your prayer point for this week. Yes, sir graph you just showed what's the opposite how many christians actually know a muslim yeah i've asked that question and I, but i don't have a graph so i don't put it up but that's a good question we can ask in this room how many people in this room 
know a Muslim? Okay. How many people in this room do not know a Muslim? Okay. Okay. And, and yet the Islamic reality is a very big part of our daily reality. Okay. But let's look at the Islamic core. In the, in, there are two Islamic cores. Here's a little educational side for you. And maybe we'll conclude with this. Um, in the West, because of the wars we've chosen to engage in, because of the countries that have affected our reality through 911, terrorist attacks, and so forth, we have said the Islamic core is Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. But when you look at that as a definition for the Islamic core, it is definitely more political, it is more uh, geopolitical than anything else. Because Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan does not control the spiritual state of Islam. It is an expression of it, but it doesn't control it. The Islamic core is Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Egypt is the mind of Islam. Al-Hazar University is the oldest university in the world. I think it's like 1,200 years old. A thousand-year-old university. That is where all Muslim clerics are schooled. Egypt is. And so what happens in Egypt, especially right now, it's interesting to watch, will affect the entire Muslim world. And then Saudi Arabia is the spirit or the heart of Islam with Mecca. So Saudi and Egypt are the two nations that will affect the Muslim world more than Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan are more like children of mommy and daddy, Egypt and Saudi. Okay? So Iran and Afghanistan, well, I'm not going to go through that. Let me get into India here. But I think that's good enough. I'll give you a little bit of something to celebrate on The Islamic world. Okay, so Afghanistan, second fastest growing church population by a percentage in the world. Afghanistan, second fastest growing church in the world. Before 2002, the only missionary work being done was in Kabul. Now there are missionaries in every sector of the country. Before 2002, there were only about 25 missionaries in the country. Now there are over 500 spread throughout Afghanistan. There are now Afghan believers in every single one of the 34 provinces of the country. Iraq, fastest growing church population by percentage, globally. Before March 2003, there were 35,000 evangelical Christians in Iraq. 2004, 50,000. 2005, 60,000. 2006, 200,000. 2011, over a million. Okay? Here's the beauty about Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. Well, I don't know about Afghanistan. I know Iran and Iraq. But I would assume it's the same in Afghanistan. If we took the resources that it took us in the U.S. to minister to an individual in the United States to the point of them accepting Jesus as Savior. So the conversion package, if you will. If we took that little conversion package to Iran and Iraq, we see 110 people come to Christ. It's a 1 to 110 ratio. For the same amount of resources. John 4.35 says, Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And let me do India and then we're going to watch a little four minute video. Northern India. Northern India deserves some discussion. It's the most demonic place on earth. For a number of reasons that we can talk about at some point. 100 million people make Kumela every year. It's a pilgrimage where human sacrifice takes place. All kinds of stuff. It's the most demonic pilgrimage that you can begin to imagine. Idol worship of 330 million gods. The caste system regards some people as unhuman. Okay? So how many of you have heard of the untouchables? Okay. The untouchables is a caste higher than the unhuman. There is such a caste system that you get the untouchables, then you get animals, and then you get the unhuman. People with no identity. The government does not issue them an identity card because they're people without an identity. 
They're the non-existent ones according to the Indian government. They're lower than animals. Here's the beauty with people like that. When we see people engage with them, I, I remember a guy telling me a story. He says, we gave this guy a Bible. Now, I don't know if it was a physical Bible or a proclaimer, an oratory Bible. And the guy came back the next day weeping and he said, this is the best book I've ever heard of. The guy said, what do you mean? Did you read the whole thing? He said, oh no, I just got to Genesis 1. It's like, okay, well, there's a lot more in there. Why is it so amazing? He said, because in Genesis 1 it says, and God created man in his image. And he says, I've been a man without an identity. And for the first time in my life, I realize that a sovereign God created me in his image. And just that scripture, that verse, brought so much life and so much identity and so much restoration and so much just dignity to an individual. The fact that God created him in his image. I mean, does that mean that to me, to you? The fact that God created me in his image? That I can identify with Christ? That I can identify with the life of Christ? With the death of Christ? With the, with the redemption of Christ? Does that weigh that heavy on you? And I'm telling you again, that becoming your story... It changes your personal reality of what Christ means to you. Northern India, the Himalayan range pose very challenging navigation. But here's the clincher. Hundreds of millions of people with very few missionaries. It is the largest unreached, unengaged people group region in the world. What that means, unreached. I think, it's, I think they regard... Uh, I can't remember what the percentage is, but it is a percentage that you have to attain to be considered a reached people group, okay? doesn't mean nobody has heard the gospel. It just means not enough people have heard the gospel in that region to be considered a reached people group. However, unengaged means no one that we know has ever been touched with the gospel. Not a single individual, okay? There are... 640 unreached, unengaged people groups in the world. More than half live in northern India. More than 320 unreached, unengaged people groups that have never been touched with the gospel. Not once. And now we, at New Life, we're working in northern India. And I'm hoping next year to take one, two, three, however many teams we can into this region of the world and just to go share the gospel with people that have never once heard it. Okay? So if you want to go, talk to us. Okay. Let's play a little video to close off our time. This is an older video. It's about um, probably eight years old. So it's, it's old, archaic to us. However, it is unfortunately still our reality today. Jesus said to them, Friends, have you caught any fish? Despite the amazing progress made in world evangelization in the past quarter century, two billion people in the world still live without the opportunity to learn about Jesus Christ. He said to them, cast the net to the other side of the boat, and you will find some. An estimated 10,000 people groups have no indigenous Christian witness. Yet Christians are allocating only a tiny fraction of their resources to these unreached peoples. Worldwide, Christians earn a total of $12.3 trillion a year. Only 1.7% is given to Christian causes of any kind. Of this 1.7%, only 5.4% is given to foreign missions. Of this 5.4%, only 1% goes to efforts directly focused on the people without an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Jesus said to them, 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Ninety-five percent of all people who have never heard the news of Jesus live outside of the Western Hemisphere. Yet, few Western Christians will go with the gospel beyond their own borders. Most, 74% of all Protestant missionaries work among groups that are at least nominally Christian. Put another way, only one of every 20,000 Christians goes to tell the good news to the people who have not heard. Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. In the United States alone, there are over 30,000 different Bible study guides and over 20 English Bible translations. At the same time, more than 3,000 languages don't have a single printed verse of Scripture. Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Furthermore, over 90% of major Christian resources and media tools benefit majority Christian countries. In short, most of our offerings to God go to meet our own needs. Jesus said to them, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And so, Father, we pray that you will um, speak to each one of us individually. God, I, I know that you have spoken to us as a family, to us as a church. But God, the church is made up of, of individuals occupying every chair, every seat. And so, Father, my prayer is um, that you will invade every space of every heart in this room. And that, God, you will do a personal work in each one of our lives. That, God, we will not just look at statistics and photos and, and numbers, God, and remain distant. But, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will not leave us alone and will compel us to go until the task is completed, or until our generation has done what you have asked of us to do. And so God, let your kingdom come, and let your will be done in our hearts, in our lives, in our actions, and in our engagement, as it is in heaven. We trust you, we want to partner with you, we want to participate with you, God. And we ask God that you will give us the courage, the faith, the resources, to do everything you've asked of us, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, bless you guys. Next week, Bobby Nicholas will be sharing with us in concluding the month on missions. Please don't miss. If you want the article on Europe, it's up here and you can come get a copy. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.